Well, I hope I can hold it together today. Uh, before we read God's Word together to all of our students, to you as the church, I want to once again say thank you. love you, and I know so many of you know that, from the deepest bottom part of my heart. You have accepted this uh, preacher girl with pretty high heels <laughs> and have loved me and encouraged me, and so it, there is really no better way to end my time with you than preaching on what it means to really be an encourager. So thank you. I have loved teaching our students. I have loved serving with you on mission trips. I have loved serving with you in our community, our Habitat Project, the Learning Center. If you read my email last week, you saw how grateful I am that you have scattered seeds been generous of sowing the seeds of God's love in so many ways. And thank you. It has been a true joy to serve with you for over five years. So thank you for calling me. Thank you for accepting me. And with that, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Today, we will be reading from Acts chapter 11, beginning in verse 19. Let us hear the word of the Lord. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that took place over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, and they spoke the word to no one except Jews. But among them were some men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenist, also proclaiming the Lord Jesus. The hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number of believers came and turned to the Lord. My prayer is that the hand of our Lord Jesus will continue to be on you, and that a great number of people will come to know God and his deep love for them. News of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch, an encourager, a coach. When he came and saw the grace of God, he rejoiced and he encouraged them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast devotion. I encourage all of you, no matter your age, to remain faithful to God with steadfast love and devotion. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, 
And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. Saul was the one who persecuted Christians. Barnabas took a risk. He went to him and brought him to Antioch. And so it was that for an entire year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And it was in Antioch that disciples were first called Christians. This is the word of the Lord, and thanks be to God. You may be seated. So you asked for it. We are finishing up our sermon series. David began our sermon series with what it means for us to react or respond. And then I was able to share a word about what it means to live in fear or to live in faith. Dolly challenged us to inspire, not just impress. And last week we heard David talk about what it means to enjoy life and not just endure life. And so today my challenge to you is for you to think about what it means to be a critic or a coach. I believe a critic is like a vampire who sucks all the positivity and energy right out of you. It's like when you're around them, there's no fun, there's no laughter, there's no encouragement, there's no compliments, and it's like they're concerned about every tiny detail of your life, and they offer unwanted opinions. A critic might say, well, glad you tried, but you know, that, that wasn't perfect. Or really, you're going to do that? I don't, I don't think that's a good idea. And they have this uncanny ability to take us down, like in a spiral downward turn by announcing all the possible bad things that could ever happen. A critic. Maybe you know one, maybe you are one. My challenge today, church, is that if you want to see the kingdom of God expand, and I believe you do, right? If you want people in this community to have their lives transformed by the amazing love of Christ, kids, youth, adults, if you want to see God begin a movement as he has already begun with Embrace Louisville, then our call is to be coaches and not critics. UCLA legendary coach that you know, John Wooden, tells us what a great coach is. He says a good coach is someone who can give correction without resentment. Someone who can speak the truth because of the way that they live and their lives are full of integrity and they live what they say, and they say what they live. It all goes together. Because I believe a critic's mission is to limit your potential. Teenagers, let me just say a word to you, and I'm so glad you're here this morning because I could preach a whole sermon right over here. <laughs> but there are going to be people in your life that are going to want to limit your potential. To say, you can't do that, really, but don't listen to them. Because God wants to work in your life and will do incredibly more than you can ask and imagine. Don't listen to the critics. Listen to the coaches in your life that you trust and you understand. Because God doesn't want to limit any of our potential. 
He wants to work in of us far beyond our abilities. So today, the word for the day is coach. What does it mean to be a good coach? Well, for me, I find a guy in Scripture who I love to study, and I'm not really today in this one sermon able to really tell you about his full life, but I challenge you to study about him. His name's Barnabas. And his nickname was Son of Encouragement. And that's what I believe a good coach does. Doesn't criticize, doesn't tell you all the bad things that you're doing, although sometimes some of us do need correction, but a coach encourages you. So the word for the day is encourage. But first of all, I would like to share with you what I believe encouragement is not. Encouragement is not flattery. It doesn't mean brown nosing. It doesn't mean praising someone because you'll get something in return or praising someone because you want them to like you. Let me just give you three possibilities that could take place in my home in regard to flattery. You might hear Max sitting at the dinner table. He's laughing because I don't really cook that much, but let's just imagine. Uh, he's sitting at the dinner table, and he has a plate of food, and he hasn't really hardly eaten any, but he says, Mom, that spaghetti was so delicious. It was even better than Nana's spaghetti. And then he says, and when can I get my allowance? Or maybe Elliot, who just got his driver's license, he comes home 10, 15 minutes after curfew, and he might say, Mom, smoke's coming out your ears. I know you are so mad at me. I'm only 15 minutes late. Mom, you're so beautiful when you're angry. <laughs> or what about Wally? And I say, honey, you forgot my birthday once again this year? And he says, honey, how am I supposed to remember your birthday when you look younger and younger every year? <laughs> flattery. We can all give flattery, but church, this idea of biblical encouragement, putting courage into someone, standing alongside one, is not flattery. And neither is encouragement motivational quotes. In our life, we come across quotes that we might hang in our house. We might hang them in our office. Like three quotes that I love that are motivational. One is by Eleanor Roosevelt. This says, great minds discuss ideas, average minds discuss events, and small minds discuss people. What a great quote to help us stay focused. Or, success is walking from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm. Great quote to live by. Or, if you are not willing to risk the usual, you will have to settle for the ordinary. Another great quote to live by, but church encouragement, the biblical encouragement that we see here in Scripture does not mean flattery, and it does not mean motivational speaking. Encouragement means standing alongside someone. It is not distant. It is close. It is personal. It's holding someone's hand. 
It's praying for someone through their suffering, through their time of trials. It's standing close to someone in their joys. And I am thankful to have done that with so many of you. But that is biblical encouragement. To be close, to be encouraging. And the encouragement that we see here always points to who? To God. To encourage means you are pointing people to God's love, his faithfulness, his promises. It's not just motivational speaking. It's not flattery. It's saying, this is how I believe that God is working in this situation. I'm going to stand with you, stand alongside of you, and walk through this tough time with you, church. That is encouragement. So when we think about the ways that we can actually be a good coach and live this out, not only in our churches. I hope this message today helps you in your homes, in your marriages, in your families. Because sometimes it's easy to be the critic in our homes. And we need to hear this for the people maybe you're sitting close to today. But I would like to offer four ways that we can continue, that you can continue as the body of Christ. Remember, church is not a building. It's the body can continue to live out this idea of encouragement and coach in people to what it means to live in Christ's likeness. First, I would like to share the first one means allow people to grow. You got to give space for people to fail. You look at all these beautiful teenagers, all the kids who are worshiping with Amanda across the way. It is our responsibility to allow them to grow, to give them encouragement, to walk alongside them, to help them discover their gifts, what God's called them to do, how they can serve in the world, how they can make a difference. Allow people to grow. I believe that is what Barnabas did for Paul. Paul came to know God on the road to Damascus, and then just had this radical transformation. He used to kill and persecute Christians. And so everyone's thinking, I don't know about this guy. Barnabas took a risk and said, no, I want you to meet him. He's truly had a transformation with the Lord. Let him preach, let him lead. And so in scriptures, you see often in the book, first part of Acts, you see Barnabas and Saul, or Barnabas, and Paul, and then you start to see Paul and Barnabas. You get the idea that Barnabas encouraged him so much that in humility he stepped aside and he let Paul take his place in expanding the church. That is what the book of Acts is all about. And church, if you want to embrace 5,000 people in our community, you're going to have to let these guys lead and encourage them and walk beside them. You're going to have to lead and step out of places that might be uncomfortable. Allow people to grow. Second, I love this, affirm the capability that you see in other people. When you're on a mission trip, when you're in your small group, when you're hanging out in the foyer, open your eyes, listen, pay attention, be present. You're a community and speak into the lives of other people. Say to Liz, gosh, I love when you lead worship. It is such an inspiration. 
Say to our teenagers, Camille, you did an awesome job at the communion table. Encourage one another. Call it out. Affirm the capabilities in people. Chloe, when you lead worship, it's amazing, and you have grown. Speak to one another. Don't be afraid. You see it going on. You see God at work. Then you call it out and affirm it. You stand alongside. You don't criticize. You don't put down. You encourage. Third, you point people to opportunities. Being in Costa Rica and in Honduras, those of you who have maybe served in third world countries, understand this word opportunity. Because so many children and youth that we work with there do not have the same opportunities that these guys have. Seize them. Take hold of them. Let God work in you. And this bilingual school that you've built, the way you work with hand-in-hand in ministries in Nicaragua and support, you are enabling children to have opportunities that they once didn't have. Church, that's what it's about. It is about creating opportunities and helping young people and one another see what's ahead, what's out there, the ways that God can use them. Point people there. Now, I want to say I don't want to minimize any pain or suffering that goes on in a person's life when they're not really able to see the good in a situation. So just stand with them. Stand beside them. Love them. Because I do believe with my full heart that God works good in all situations. And sometimes we can't see it, but if we'll just stand with people and encourage people, we will eventually see the good that God wants to bring from it. Fourth, and this is a really, really important one. If you don't hear anything else I say today, I want you to hear this. To be a good coach, to be a good encourager, to be a Barnabas, you have to speak prophetically to one another. That means you're speaking what you think God is sharing with you in your time of prayer, in your time of study, in your time of worship. I would not be where I am today if people had not given me a prophetic word. Tamara, you're a girl, but you can preach. You need to speak words into people's life. And that means in order for you to do that, you have to be walking with the Lord. You have to be in prayer. You have to be in God's word. If you want to speak really strong words into the lives of your children, then find some quiet time so that you know what they need to hear and you're able to say it to them. Speak prophetically to one another. I love being on a mission trip and putting my hands on someone's shoulders and saying, oh my gosh, I'm so glad to see the way God is working in your life. In Oxford, Kentucky this summer, just was there one day, but I remember walking up to Lori right there in the back. And I said, Lori, I want to just affirm what I see God doing in your life. We need to do that because it helps and strengthens us in our walk of faith. It is part of our responsibility as the church. And finally, be committed. I'm really thankful for the people, the adults, looking at one right here, Justin, who teaches our sixth graders every Sunday morning in Sunday school. 
Skipper Martin, who's taught for over 30 years. The list could go on. For people who are committed to the growth of my kids, who are committed to me, I give thanks. It is our responsibility as the church to remain committed. A good coach can't do a good job if he's not committed, if she's not committed. Max's soccer coach, he would tell you in a, in a drop of a hat, has made such a difference in his life. Why? He's there every single practice, four times a week, committed to the team, not only committed to helping Max develop his soccer skills, but committed to helping Max be a better person. And as the church, our responsibility is to be committed to helping people grow in the grace of God. To be committed in helping people discover the ways God wants to use them. To be committed in pushing people out of their comfort zones to share the amazing love of Christ. Church, it's a commitment that we all have towards one another. And I love in Hebrews chapter 10 where it says, Spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Michael, I'm so thankful I've had the opportunity to spur you along in love and good deeds. Wonderful young man who my kids can look up to. Countless others sitting here in this congregation. It is our responsibility to spur one another on, to keep going, to not stop. You see, church, as Christians, as a body of Christ, it is not me and Jesus. It is we and Jesus. And for the kingdom to grow, for the kingdom to expand, for people to come into a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ, it's us living out the love of Christ together. It's the commitment we share with one another. It's the commitment we have to our community and to the world to be a beacon of light. And so, as Barnabas, when he arrived and he saw the grace of God at work, what did he do? He rejoiced. And I want to leave you with that, church, is when you see the grace of God happening, rejoice, be glad, celebrate it. Encourage one another as you continue on this amazing pilgrimage, right? Of becoming more and more and more like Jesus. It is not me and Jesus. It is we and Jesus. Don't be critics. Go and be coaches. Amen.